Folks, I'm going to be a corona heretic. Although quite a few UK experts agree with me, I'm still going to be a heretic. Just not much as much of one as you might be thinking. I wasn't a heretic two days ago. I wasn't a heretic yesterday. I wasn't even a heretic this morning. Now I am. Let's start with my surroundings. Please note that the people behind me aren't moving. You don't hear any noises from this cafe. That's because I'm in a Zoom meeting and I'm not really in a cafe. All the cafes are closed. But I should be in a cafe because it's time we stopped the insanity. If you look at the data, only one country in the world has been testing asymptomatic people, South Korea. And even there, the testing is skewed definitely towards people who are showing symptoms. The South Korean data shows something remarkable. 0.12% of patients below the age of 60 are dying. And 0.04% of patients below the age of 50 are dying. Of course, these aren't final numbers. We don't know everyone who's going to die and everyone who's going to recover yet. Then again, they haven't caught every case. They can't even trace the origin of 20% of the cases they have. They're spontaneous. So as much testing as they've done, there are doubtless an enormous number of people who are still undiagnosed and healthy. So it appears that the death rates, it appears very likely that the death rates among the young are very low and the death rates among the old are very high. As I watch the coronavirus news, I see a valuable and important and good focus on saving lives. It's a great thing, saving lives. But everybody is pointing at the obvious lives and ignoring all the hidden ones. Everybody enjoys a reducto ad hitlarium, so I'll give you a metaphor or an example. In 1938, Neville Chamberlain saved lives. He signed a treaty with Hitler, he violated Britain's own principles, and he avoided a costly conflict. Of course, he didn't avoid it for long. He cost hidden future lives. Hitler got a big swath of the Czech industrial heartland, and his war machine was tremendously strengthened. Hidden lives were taken. They were the not-so-hidden cost of the narrow focus created by World War I. The British were focused on World War I and not thinking about the side effects. After the Titanic disaster, it was determined that every ship had to have enough lifeboats for every passenger. It's obvious. It makes sense, right? Three years later, a passenger liner tipped over from all the weight of all the extra lifeboats. It killed 800 people who never had a chance to reach a lifeboat. They were the hidden cost of the narrow focus on the Titanic. To borrow an example closer to my own family, in the early 80s, my mom wrote about forest fires. Our very successful forest fire prevention programs were leading to the growth in underbrush and leading to far larger forest fires in the future. Our narrow focus on the forest fires we'd seen in the past was hiding our ability to see the forest fires we were creating in the future. I'll give you one more example. Anthrax kills. A tiny amount can kill. But anthrax doesn't kill directly. Instead, the body overreacts to it. A tiny amount of anthrax can drive the body to kill itself. Same thing happens with an allergic reaction to peanuts. An overreaction to one stimulus draws a terrible cost in another area. 
our focus on Corona is doing the same thing. According to Airlines for America, the airline industry contributes 10 million U.S. jobs and $1.7 trillion to the U.S. economy. The hotel industry contributes 8 million jobs, $355 billion in labor income, $167 billion in taxes, and $590 billion in GDP. The restaurant industry has 16 million employees and $900 billion in sales. Now, these are industry alliance numbers, so they're overstated. Nonetheless, these industries are critical. But airlines, hotels, and restaurants, they have thin margins. They tend to have significant debt, and they cannot survive two months without revenue. And if we succeed in slowing this thing down, our economy will be on hold for a lot longer than two months. The virus will linger somewhere, even overseas, while ready to come back and explode once again. We're going to take away over 30 million U.S. jobs just in these industries, one-fifth of the workforce. And for what? Banks are going to get hit. Look at all the people who can't go to work because their kids are at home. Lenders, investors, homeowners. We will have a financial crash that will make 2008 look like child's play. It already does. And this will cost lives. According to a study by Columbia's Till von Wachter and the Chicago Reserve's Daniel Sullivan, long-term unemployment can knock up to 18 months off of life expectancy. These are hidden lives, but they're not alone. What will happen to business taxes in a no-income environment? Where will the massive taxes from capital gains come from if we establish a decade of losses in the next few weeks? Do you think your state has it bad now or your county or your city? Just wait. What happens to pensioners who can't get retirement benefits, cops who can't get paid, leading to jumps in crime, hospitals that can't get funding, children on social benefits who can't get food, old people whose Medicaid becomes increasingly useless? 2008 showed us the cost of a few cities and a few areas losing critical services. Now multiply that by a thousand. These are hidden lives and they will be lost and the cost will be enormous. And that's in America. That's in a first world country. Did you know 46% of the world's population lives on under five and a half dollars a day? 3.4 billion people. 10%, 750 million, make less than two dollars a day. Indirectly, many of these people depend on rich economies. In fact, rich economies have helped bring 1.9 billion people out of extreme poverty in the last 30 years. How? These people mine. They farm, they manufacture, they pick through the rubbish that richer people leave behind. What happens when we stop buying? What happens when these people can't afford food? They can't take two weeks off. Nine million people a year die from hunger, and that's in a good year. What happens if we make that 20, 30, 40 million people to stop this virus? And not a one-time cost but every year, because the economic effects are going to last for a long time. These are hidden lives, but they're massive numbers of hidden lives that will be lost for no reason, for no benefit. People talk about flattening the curve, but while there are stories of sick young people, the numbers skew heavily towards those who are old or have pre-existing condition, like smokers. The deaths also skew heavily towards the old. So let's isolate the old and the ill and let the virus run as quickly as possible through the rest of the population. 
Those who are living at home can have packaged food and medicine from a biosafe facility delivered to their door for two months. Those in nursing homes can be helped by people in biohazard suits. Buying a washable biohazard suit for every nursing home employee in the United States would cost about $500 million. The goal of these suits would be to protect the residents, of course, not the staff. If the residents get coronavirus, they go to the hospital. But the hospital employees will either have already been exposed or won't face terrible danger from the virus. And so the biohazard suits won't be needed there. We won't have a lack of availability. $500 million in suits. Let's take the food into account. Let's bump it up to $5 billion in special costs to help the old and the infirm. Hell, make it $50 billion. It doesn't matter. The U.S. stock market has lost over $7 trillion in value so far, and they keep stopping trading. It's 100 times as much. That will cost lives, hidden lives, and lives that don't need to be lost. If we keep going, our crappy welfare and Medicare Medicaid benefits will get even worse. You might be able to get by as a wealthy and educated middle-class person, but a lot of people aren't like you. Even in the glorious U.S. of A., two weeks without work, and a lot of people are on the street. Do you think that will be healthy? The virus is coming. We've already lost control. Let's protect the old by letting the rest of the population get over it quickly. Yes, we will lose people. Death rates could rise if bad reports come in or fall if there are cures or lots of undiagnosed people actually have the disease. But let's assume death rates hold. If 70% of the population gets infected, we'll lose 175,000 people. But we'll probably lose those people anyway. The virus is going to spread. But we won't need to kill our economy in the process. And if 175,000 people is too high, well, we can just quarantine everybody above the age of 50. That would reduce those killed due to rampant exposure to 85,000 people. Put it in perspective, 3.3 million Americans died last year, 160,000 of them from chronic lower respiratory disease, 120,000 from Alzheimer's, 600,000 from cancer, $650,000 people from heart disease. These are diseases that take money to manage. They take money to treat. But if we keep doing what we're doing, we won't have it. We aren't going to stop death, no matter what. We aren't going to stop death from coronavirus among most of the population, no matter what. But we might be able to save a lot of old people by using the strength of our economy to buy time to shield them. We can buy equipment. We can buy drugs. We can afford these things but only if we have a working economy. Let me just explain that one more time because people like to talk about flattening out the curve. If we flatten out the curve, the virus is going to linger. We won't have herd immunity due to lots of exposure to it. And so we're going to keep killing our economy and we'll never buy safety for older people. But if we let younger people get the virus and protect the older people for a short period of time, then we'll be able to protect the older people long-term and save their lives. We'll save maybe a million or two million lives by virtue of getting the rest of the population over the virus as quickly as possible. These aren't hidden lives. These are near-term lives. Earlier, I used the example of anthrax. Emerging studies are suggesting that corona is dangerous for the same reason anthrax is. Our body overreacts to the illness. 
suspect Chinese data, all the Chinese data is suspect, has suggested that rheumatoid arthritis drugs, which lessen immune response, have enabled patients who are on death's door to get up and walk out two days later. That may be true. It may not be true. But some companies are taking it seriously. Sanofi and Roche are both launching efforts to study the impact of these drugs. They expect it'll take a few months to do a proper double-blind study. Fact is, if they just went to Italy and asked people currently practicing medicine who's going to die, gave them the drug and saw what happened, they'd have an answer in a few weeks, an answer good enough to deal with a crisis. The UK apparently has banned the export of related drugs because they anticipate needing to gather them up in order to treat their older people. But whether or not this drug works, the point is that while coronavirus may or may not do this to the human body, it may or may not trigger a massive immune response that ends up killing us. It is doing it to humankind. Due to social media, international panic, or whatever, we are killing our own human body in order to overcome what would otherwise be a nasty cold. If we keep on the road we're traveling, tens or hundreds of millions of people will die for no reason whatsoever. Folks, we are in the middle of a forest fire. Let's clear cut around the houses and let the damn thing burn itself out. Thank you for listening and please share this video.